Matthew 10, 5 to 16. Matthew 10, 5. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals, or staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. This is the word of God. Thanks, Jez. Good morning once again, everyone. Well, as I said before, when we were chatting with Jez, uh, we lived in Southeast Asia for 10 years. Uh, way back in our first year there, we were full-time language students, at least Anna and I were. So every morning we had language class, and every afternoon we actually had field work. We had to go out and practice on real-life people. And then the next morning we'd debrief on how it went and then get into the next lesson. I still remember one of my uh, first field work tasks was to go out and talk about food. I felt pretty nervous. I went into a neighbourhood. I saw a group of guys sitting down and chatting, so I just went and joined them. And after a while, I asked my question, what's your favourite food? And they said something I didn't understand, and then they asked the question back, what was my favourite food? And I said, Indian food was my favourite food. Uh, and they looked really offended and upset. And I thought, oh, perhaps the locals don't like Indian food. But when I went home and told Anna what I'd said, it turned out I'd said, uh, my favourite thing to eat is Indian people. <laughs> and so uh, that didn't get me off to a good start in that particular neighbourhood. That was the first of many embarrassing language mistakes, which are almost a daily occurrence for me in my first year. And I found that the best way to cope with these embarrassing moments was to find out about other people's embarrassing moments and retell their stories. So um, I might just do that now, if Anna doesn't mind. Um, Anna's, my favourite from Anna's was, um, when she had her first go at sharing the Gospel, she told this lady that God sent Jesus into the world to boil humanity. Um, and that one didn't go down too well either. Um, another one was from a teammate of mine. She was in a taxi one day, and she said to the driver, Driver, it's really hot in here. Could you take off your pants? Because take off your pants and open the window, almost the same in, in that language. When the driver said no, she said, Oh, please, just a little bit, just a little bit. Language learning is really hard work. And I found it actually could be a source of anxiety for me. I remember in my first... Uh, few weeks of language school, I had this dream that I was at the Bible college. So I was going to teach at a Bible college when I graduated from language school. I had a dream I was at the Bible college. The students were all looking at me, waiting for me to teach, and I couldn't. I, I didn't have a word of the language. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Have you ever had a dream like that? Those dreams are like nightmares, aren't they? they, they I think they express a, a deep anxiety that we all have at some level, that will, that will be this, in this situation one day, 
where we've got to do something, but we don't know how. We don't know how. We're not able. We're not equipped. Do you have that anxiety? Do you have dreams like that sometimes which express that anxiety? Well, now I have another question for you. Do you ever feel this way about the Great Commission? So the Great Commission, this is the command from Jesus at the end of Matthew's Gospel, where he commands everyone who follows him to make disciples of all nations. Do you have that anxiety about the Great Commission? It's, it's an important task that we've got to do. Jesus has commanded us, but you feel like you can't or you don't know how. You're not equipped. You're not ready. Do you ever feel that way about the Great Commission? Do you think Jesus' disciples might have felt that way when Jesus gave the Great Commission? So Matthew 28, right at the end of the, the Gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, go make disciples of all nations, and then what happens? And then he's off. He ascends to heaven. No time for questions, no time for a training, no time for a how-to manual. He's gone. Do you think the disciples were anxiously thinking, what, make disciples? How do we do that? Do you think they were having the feeling that I, that I have in my dream? This big, important task to do, but no idea about how to do it. Do you think that's how they were feeling? I don't think that's how they were feeling. You see, when Jesus gave them the Great Commission, I don't think they were surprised at all because he had spent all his time with them before that moment preparing them for that, training them for that. See, we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew at City Light this year. And I don't like to do the spoiler, but it does end with the Great Commission. That's where it ends. But that's Matthew 28. Matthew 1 to 27 is Jesus preparing his disciples for that moment, teaching them how to live, teaching them how to share the good news, teaching them what the good news is, what the kingdom is. That's what 1 to 27 is all about. It's training us to carry out the, good, the, the Great Commission. And no more so than in Matthew 10. Matthew 10 is like a, a practice run. Matthew 10, Jesus sends his disciples out for this short-term trial run mission trip. It's, 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 a, it's basically a, a mission training seminar, a mission training seminar from Jesus, a Great Commission training seminar from Jesus. And like all, all good training seminars, it's got some theory and it's got some practice. He starts with some instructions, and that's what we're going to look at in a moment, and then he actually just sends them out to have a go at it. So I want to say that Matthew 10 is really precious for us. It's this training seminar from Jesus himself in how to carry out the command he's given us to make disciples of all nations. And so if, if you and I want to take that command of Jesus to us seriously, and if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm sure that you do, if we, if we want to be trained to carry out this task that Jesus has given us, then let's dive into Matthew 10 right now and see what we can learn from it. But before we dive in, I've just got two preliminary things I want to say before we dive in to see what we can learn. Just two preliminary things. The first one is just a few words on how Matthew 10 applies to us today here in Sydney in Belmain. See, some of what Jesus says in these verses is quite specific to, to that time and place and context. 
When Jesus says, take no extra sandals with you for the journey, most of us are probably thinking, I wasn't planning on taking any sandals at all. It's, it's specific what he's saying uh, to their context, to their time, and to their place. Uh, another thing he says in this chapter, you would have heard uh, when Jez read before, when he sends the disciples out, he says, just go to the lost sheep of Israel. Just share this good news of the kingdom. Just share it with the Israelites. That too was specific to that unique moment in history. And we know that because a few chapters later, by Matthew 28, he's commanding them to go to all nations. So that, that specific command is not going to be for us. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is that Matthew 10 is not a, a direct one-to-one how-to manual for us carrying out the Great Commission today. We can't read Matthew 10 quite like that. But the principles in Matthew 10 are for us today. They've been written down for us to train us, to prepare us. What we have here in Matthew 10 is so valuable because it's principles about how to carry out the Great Commission in our time. Principles about how to do mission, how to share the good news with people to live out Jesus' command to us. So that's the first preliminary thing I wanted to say. And the second one is a special word to any of you who might be watching today who are not yet followers of Jesus. Maybe you've tuned in because you're interested, you're curious, maybe a friend has shared the, the link and invited you along today. Um, if that's you, I want to say a huge welcome to you. I'm, I'm so excited that you've joined us uh, today. Uh, and maybe tuning in, you might think this is a, a strange topic to be tuning into if you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Because here, here you see a bunch of followers of Jesus uh, kind of training, learning how to share the gospel with people who aren't yet. But actually, I think this is a really great week for you to be tuning in and, and listening. You see, uh, Jesus believed that he brought the best news the world could ever hear. It's, it's an inv invitation to what he calls in this passage the kingdom of heaven, the best news ever. He believed it was so good that everyone needed to hear it. He believed it was so good that he spent his time training his followers to share it with the world. So if you're not yet a, a follower of Jesus, but you're here listening today, uh, what you get to see today as you join us for church uh, is just how precious we believe this message about Jesus to be. It's so precious that we want to share it and we want to learn how to share it. And we want to share it with our friends, with our family, with you, with anyone who's willing to listen. Okay, there's a couple of preliminary things. Now let's dive into Matthew 10. What is it that we can learn from this mission training seminar from Jesus? Well, I'm going to highlight three things that we can learn, three takeaways from this mission training seminar from Jesus. The first one is this. Go with authority. As we carry out the Great Commission, as, as we share the good news about Jesus, as we invite people to enter the kingdom of heaven... Uh, we need to realise that we're going with authority. Um, have a look at the beginning of uh, Matthew 10, the first verse. You see there that Jesus it says, And he called to him his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority. He gave them 
authority. And if we read on in those next few verses, we'll see that he gave them authority basically to do two different things. The first one was authority to do miraculous signs, signs that point to the fact that the kingdom has arrived, signs that reveal what the kingdom is like, miracles. And the second thing he gave them authority to do was to proclaim the good news of this kingdom. Uh, You can see that in in verse 7, he tells them that they're going to be proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that's the authority he gave them. Miracles and proclamation, proclaiming the good news. Now, whether you and I have that same authority to do miracles, that's probably a discussion for another day. I'm not going to go into that now. Uh, But one thing that is clear, um, very clear, if if we keep reading in the Bible, is that all of us who are followers of Jesus do have authority to proclaim this message. I mean, mean, if you just remember the the words of the Great Commission uh, itself, Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. See, Jesus has this authority from God and he gives it to us, sending us out to make disciples. So, so one thing that there's no doubt about is that you and I, if, you're followers, if we're followers of Jesus, we have this same authority to proclaim the good news of the kingdom to people, to tell people, to invite people into the kingdom. So I just want us to pause for a moment and think about what this means. What does this mean that you and I have authority? What it means is as we share the good news, as we maybe tell a a workmate how we came to believe in Jesus, as we invite a friend to church, uh, as we invite an aunt or an uncle to become a follower of Jesus, as we do those things, we're speaking on God's behalf. We're speaking with God's authority. So this means that when we pass on this invite, we're just the messenger. We're not that important. It means that at that moment, the person that we're speaking to is having an encounter with God. That's what it means for us to have God's authority. Jesus kind of teases us out uh, at verse 40, right at the end of the chapter. If you're following along in your paper Bible, just jump right down to the end there. Verse 40. Jesus says to the disciples, Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. See, when we share the good news and someone responds, they're not so much just receiving us, but they're receiving God. That's what it means for you and me to have authority. We're speaking on God's behalf. We're inviting people into a relationship with God. And the flip side to that is also true, and it also comes out in this uh, Matthew chapter 10. When we share the good news with someone and they reject us, it's not so much that they're rejecting us, but they're saying no to God. They're saying no to God's invitation to them. They're rejecting God. That comes out in verse 14 and 15. Have a look at that with me. Verse 14, Jesus says to the disciples, If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Sodom and Gomorrah is the place that was most famous in the Old Testament for receiving the harshest judgment from God. 
it was completely wiped out, a judgment for sin. So what Jesus is saying here is someone who rejects the invitation into the kingdom is facing a worse fate than that. So this is what it means for us to have authority. We're speaking on God's behalf. We're passing on an invitation on God's behalf. When they accept, they come into relationship with God. When someone rejects, they're facing a terrible fate. That's what it means for us to have authority. I remember back to my days in first year uni. I studied um, down in Canberra. And I remember I had a, a mentor, a Christian mentor, who invited me to go out with him and walk around the campus and share the good news of the gospel. I remember feeling so nervous about that. I, I really didn't want to do it. Um, I remember on the day I was just secretly praying it would rain so we could cancel the whole, the whole outing, uh, but it didn't, and we went. And the whole day I felt so, so nervous. I felt really uncomfortable about the whole thing. Well, years later, um, I found myself doing the same thing, inviting others to go out onto the streets and share the good news. So years later, I'm in Southeast Asia, and I'm now teaching a subject called evangelism at a, at a training school, and I'm inviting students to do the same thing, to go out with me. And not surprisingly, so many of them had the same feelings and same reactions I did um, back the first time I was asked to do it. I remember one student in particular, Every week, the homework for this evangelism class was go and share the gospel and report back on how it went next week. And for the first four or five weeks, he just, he just wasn't doing it every time we reported back. And eventually, he took me aside and said, I'm not doing it because I'm, I'm just really scared. So the two of us made a time to go out together to do it. And I remember we went out into the streets. Um, we prayed. Um, we saw a, a bunch of guys sitting on a bench, and we, we just went and joined them and started chatting. And... Um, I remember introducing myself to these guys. They were really friendly, a um, couple of Muslim guys, really friendly, really nice. I, I gestured to the student for him to introduce himself. He didn't say a word. <laughs> and so, so I just kept chatting, and, and after a little while, we got on to matters of faith, uh, spirituality, Jesus, the gospel. Every now and then, I kind of gestured to the student. Didn't say a word. Uh, even when we finished up, uh, invited them if they wanted to hear more, gave them the opportunity to do that. We finished up and we walked away. And finally, I turned to the student and said, what was going on? You, you didn't even greet them. You didn't say a word. And he said, I was so nervous. I, could, I just couldn't. I couldn't even open my mouth. Do you have feelings like that sometimes when it comes to sharing this, this most important thing to you, the, the good news of Jesus with others? Do you ever feel that way? I think it, 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 is, it is easy to sometimes feel nervous or, or afraid of rejection or maybe even apologetic for sort of presuming to tell someone else um, what they should do with their life. See, if we ever have feelings like that, I think we need to really let what, what we're finding here in Matthew 10 soak in, soak into our hearts and our minds. See, we've actually been given authority from God to do this. It's not just us, it's we're speaking on his behalf. We've got this important message. We don't need to be apologetic. We don't need to be uh, timid about this. This is this precious, important invitation from the creator of the universe, an invitation uh, inviting someone into the kingdom of heaven. So it's at stake here is so much more than, than me feeling embarrassed or anxious or worried about the friendship. At stake here is this person's chance uh, 
to meet the living God and be invited in to the kingdom of heaven for eternity. So that's the first takeaway we have from Jesus' mission training seminar. We go with authority. We're speaking this important message on God's behalf and we go with his authority. Let's look at the second one now. The second one is that we need to depend on God. As we carry out the Great Commission, we need to be depending on God. Don't forget, Jesus is uh, about to send these disciples out on a short-term mission trip to have their first go at it. Uh, And as he does that, just have a look from verse 9. Starting in verse 9, he tells them what they should take with them on this mission trip. Verse 9, he says, Acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper through your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff. This is all pretty strange, isn't it, don't you think? Is, is Jesus challenging everything our mum's ever taught us? I mean, when it's not lockdown and my kids are on their way out from school, my mom, uh, Anna's always saying, have you got your lunchbox? Have you got your hat? Jesus is saying the opposite. Don't take anything with you. What's going on there? Don't take money. Don't take a bag, which would have been a food bag. He's basically saying don't take any supplies with you. Why does he do that? The reason he does that is because these disciples are going to get what they need from the people they share the good news with. Keep reading and we'll see that. Um, If we look at the end of verse 10, he says, For the labourer deserves his food. They're the labourers and they're going to get their food from the people they share the good news with. Verse 11, he says, Whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. See, the reason they don't take any supplies with them is that they're going to stay with the people they're sharing the good news with and they're going to be fed by them. There's going to be this worthy person and that basically means someone who's receptive to you, receptive to the gospel message, welcomes you in. And this worthy person is going to supply what they need. So they're going to find that person, they'll stay with them, and then they'll share the good news with them. Verse 12, have a look at that, verse 12. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Let your peace come, come upon it is a way of saying that's where you share the gospel of peace, this good news message with them. You bring that to the house. So once they're welcomed in, that's the point at which they're going to be proclaiming the good news. Now, I think this is a really interesting mission method that Jesus gives the disciples for this short-term trip. They don't provide for themselves. They have to depend on God. And then the way that God provides for them is through the people they're sharing the good news with. And it's when they get that food and accommodation that they need that's when the opportunity for mission comes, when they're, they're staying with these people that have time to share the good news, to share the message of Jesus. See, by te- depending on God, they don't just get a meal, they also get a chance to do what they were sent for, proclaim the good news. Just imagine for a moment that they didn't follow Jesus' instructions. So they arrive, they get, they get invited by this worthy person, this receptive person, and, and they say, come on in. The disciples say, oh no thanks, we've got accommodation up the road, we've got our own food, see you later. What's happened? What's happened is they've missed the opportunity to do the mission they were sent to do. What does this mean for you and me today? This is a 
This seems like a pretty unusual set of instructions that Jesus gives them. What does this mean for us? Do we walk the streets of Belmain without our wallet, without anything, and just see what happens? Well, probably not, but I, I do want to say there's an important principle here, once again. There's a principle here that we can be learning from. Because when we depend on God uh, like that, it will also create opportunities for mission when we learn to depend on God, to, to, to take risks, to make ourselves vulnerable in some way, requiring him to act, requiring him to open up an opportunity. So when we were in, in Southeast Asia, there were quite a lot of, of missionaries who were experimenting with, trying, this, sort of following these basic ideas from Matthew 10 in, in their gospel sharing. They'd go out to places, new places, without many supplies, and, and just wait and see if someone would offer them hospitality and and quite a lot would report that doing that did open up opportunities they would meet people that they wouldn't otherwise meet and they'd have time with them over food to share the good news so one of the schools where where i taught in in southeast asia we had these missionary candidates who were with us for a year before they became full-time missionaries around the country they were local local missionaries and we we actually uh, set as an assignment that they should try this out when they went on their two-month pracs. Go somewhere, somewhere new, don't take supplies for the day, uh, see what happens. See if someone invites you to have uh, some kind of hospitality experience with, with them. And it was always really interesting when they came back from their trips and just shared their stories. There were two themes that always came out. Number one was that they found it really hard to get used to the local food because <laughs> they were eating the local food. But number two was they said, they said there were opportunities. There were, there were new opportunities. Over food, they could share Bible stories. Over food, they, could, they had the time and the relationship uh, to do this. We're, we're looking for new ways to depend on God in our setting. New ways... Um, to throw ourselves out into the, the situation where we need God to act and, and seeing where he might open up an opportunity. So that's point two. And what we're going to do now is final point from Jesus' mission training seminar. Um, we've had the first two points. The first one was go with authority. The second one was depend on God. And now for the final one, the third one, and that is be ready for pain. Be ready for pain. Have a look at verse 16 with me. This is the last verse that Jez read out before. Verse 16. Behold, says Jesus, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Sheep in the midst of wolves. We've probably all grown up with fairy tales and nursery rhymes about sheep and wolves. Well, this time, we're the sheep in this story. See, when Jesus sent the disciples out, he knew that they would face trouble. He knew they'd face rejection. And so in this pre-field training seminar, which is what what this is, he prepares them for that. And we need to be prepared for that too. We need to have our expectations set right too. See, if we carry out the Great Commission, if we share the gospel, if we invite people to follow Jesus we might also end up feeling like sheep amongst wolves. We need to be ready for that. We need to be ready that there might be rejection. We, we, we need to be ready so that we're not surprised if we have some kind of trouble. Uh, 
Okay. So in the remainder of Matthew 10, Jesus unpacks this sheep among wolves picture. Now, we're not going to have um, time to read through that all now. But he, he explains what this pain that they need to be ready for is going to look like. I'll just give you a, an overview. It's a pretty intense overview. Uh, he tells them that they're going to be taken to court, that they're going to be flogged, that they're going to be dragged before kings, uh, that they're going to be betrayed by their families, even to the point of death. He tells them they're going to be hated. They're going to be persecuted. Now, thinking of us here in Sydney, once again, I don't think that all of these details are going to look exactly the same. I'm guessing that none of us are ever going to be dragged before a king. Uh, but the principle remains, doesn't it? The principle remains. If you and I carry out the Great Commission, we too could face hostility or, or trouble or opposition, people that don't want us to be doing that. Jesus wants us to know this in advance. He wants us to know this so that we'll persevere even when the going gets tough. That's his goal here, so that we'll keep doing it even though the going might get tough. Have a look at verse 22 where he, he, he says, You will be hated, verse 22, You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This is Jesus' goal here. He wants us to be ready for that pain if it comes, when it comes, so that when it does, we won't give up. We'll keep going. We'll endure to the end. We'll persevere. I remember having a conversation with one of my students at the Bible College in Southeast Asia where I taught. He told me that uh, sharing the good news with people who didn't yet believe wasn't his gift. It wasn't his thing. So he wasn't going to do it anymore. He was going to uh, do other things, other ways of serving God. And I remember asking him, why do you say that? Why do you say it's not your gift? And he said, he told me this story. He said, oh, once I, I shared the good news with someone... And the person got really angry and started yelling at me. And so I knew that day that it wasn't my gift. And, and I said back to this student, I said, I don't think that's not your gift. I think it is because what happened with, in your experience is exactly what Jesus said would happen when we carry out his command. So the point is that you and I, we need to be ready for pain. Jesus warns us ahead of time so that we'll persevere, so that we'll keep going if and when it does happen. So maybe this week you'll invite a friend uh, on Facebook to church and they'll be upset or they'll defriend you. Maybe this week you'll come across an article in the mainstream media where they just ridicule you for being a Christian or you for wanting to share your faith. Maybe this week you'll tell a workmate just how much Jesus means to you and the workmate will mock you. Maybe you'll invite a parent from school to the Alpha course, and they'll be offended by you. Of course, none of these things will necessarily happen. It might go a lot better than that. Uh, it might be the beginning of a process which uh, leads that person into the kingdom and you end up being friends for eternity. It, it won't necessarily have all these, this pain that we're talking about. But the point is, there could be trouble. There could be hostility. And if there is, it doesn't mean uh, you've done anything wrong. Jesus wants to say to you, keep going, keep sharing the good news. This message is still precious 
even if someone rejects it. Keep sharing the good news. So there we have it. This is Jesus' mission training seminar. We've seen the three takeaways for us. Are first, we go with authority. Second, we depend on God. And then third, we need to be ready for pain. And what I'd like to do now is I'd just like to finish with a challenge. One for those of you who are not yet followers of Jesus and one for those of you who are. So if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, what you've seen today is that Jesus believes he has a precious message worth sharing, this message about the kingdom of heaven. And, and what you've seen today is that we here at City Light Church believe the same thing, that this message is so precious that, that we want to share it with you. And so if you're someone who's curious, if you're open, if you're investigating this message of Jesus, this message of the Bible in some way, I just want to say that that's wonderful. I'm so encouraged that you're doing that. And I want to say that in a church like this, in this church, you have a group of people who want to be there for you in that journey, who want to help you in that journey, whether it's by talking with you, whether it's by sharing a book with you, answering questions you have, sharing our experiences of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, we'd love to do that. This news is so wonderful, so, so, so life-changing. We'd love to help you understand why we believe that and help you explore that for yourself. So please do reach out and, and, and ask for help with that in this community. If you are a follower of Jesus, the challenge to you is this. What we've heard from Jesus today is a training in how to carry out the Great Commission, how to make disciples of all nations. That's awesome, isn't it? But I don't want us to forget how Jesus delivered this training. See, he gave these instructions, that's the ones that we've been reading this morning, but then what did he do? He sent them out to have a go. You see, when it comes to sharing the good news, when it comes to making disciples, we can only go so far in a classroom. And that's coming from someone who works at a Bible college. We can only go so far in a classroom or in a sermon. Uh, the next step is to go out and do it. That's the time when we'll really be learning and really be growing. And so the final challenge for, for us is what will that look like for us this week? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the pre precious message of the gospel. And we pray for more and more people to hear it, for more and more people to believe and enter this kingdom of heaven. And Father God, we thank you for giving us the task of sharing it. And we just pray that you'll help us to do this, this week, this month, even though it's hard, even though we're in lockdown, even though communications are happening um, through messaging and Zoom. But we just do pray that you help us to do this. And we just want to see more and more people uh, come into your kingdom. And we pray that you'll use us to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.